Hi, my name is Tony Thaxton. Like anyone else, I love a great album. But I also love those strange albums that might make you wonder how and why they even exist. But I'm not here to make fun of them. I'm here to celebrate them and tell their story. This is Bizarre Albums. Today's episode, Star Wars and Other Galactic Funk by Miko from 1977. Composer John Williams has been nominated for 67 Grammy Awards, 6 Emmy Awards, 25 Golden Globe Awards, and 51 Academy Awards, which is a record for a living person. He's second on the all-time list behind Walt Disney's 59 nominations. Williams is regarded by many as the greatest American film composer of all time. It's tough to argue. Williams composed the music for Jurassic Park, Jaws, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Harry Potter, Superman, and Indiana Jones, and that's just a handful. He even composed the theme music for the 1984 Summer Olympics Games. And NBC News. Williams was born in New York, but his family moved to Los Angeles when he was in high school. After graduating high school in 1950, he went on to study music at USC and later Juilliard. He even had a stint in the Air Force where he played piano, brass, and conducted and arranged music for the U.S. Air Force Band. After moving back to Los Angeles in the late 1950s, Williams began working as a session musician, even playing piano on Henry Mancini's infamous Peter Gunn theme. Eventually, Williams started composing music himself for various films and TV shows. His first ever Oscar nomination came way back in 1967 with Valley of the Dolls. The first of his five Oscar wins happened with his 1971 score for Fiddler on the Roof. His career would start heading toward legendary status when he teamed up with Steven Spielberg. Spielberg had approached Williams to do the music for his theatrical debut Sugarland Express, released in 1974. But it was his follow-up film a year later that propelled them both. Jaws is considered the first summer blockbuster. Lines to see the movie were wrapped around the block, and it became the first film to ever earn $100 million at the box office. In a look inside Jaws, music by John Williams on the Jaws 30th anniversary DVD, Spielberg said that without Williams' score, the film would only have been half as successful. And according to Williams, it jump-started his career. In this clip from IndieFilmAcademy.com, Williams and Spielberg talk his Jaws score. Remember the Jaws but, you know, though. I can tell you, the first day with Steven said, what are you going to play for Jaws? I went... <laughs> he said, you're kidding. <laughs> I said, you're crazy. It's a serious movie. I thought he was going to say, oh, no, I'm only kidding. And here's, and he was about to play this very poetic pastoral symphony. And John said, no, no, no. It's, you, you've made a very primal movie. You know, your movie's about the dinosaurs. The, the, you know, the, the ancient world, the land of the giants. It's not about, uh, it's, it's not poetic, it's not art. It's artful. 
and he played the bass, the, those baser sounds, which I love. You know, that, that is Jaws. That's the voice of Jaws. The American Film Institute has named it the sixth greatest score of all time and earned Williams a Grammy Award, a BAFTA Award, a Golden Globe Award, and another Oscar. And the winner is... John Williams the Jaws. According to Brian J. Jones's book, George Lucas, A Life, back in spring of 1975, while Spielberg was in post-production for Jaws, his friend George Lucas came by to visit. Lucas told him he was looking for a composer for his new film that could give it an old-fashioned romantic movie score. Spielberg immediately recommended, and raved, about John Williams. So Spielberg introduced the two of them, and after reading the script, Williams agreed to compose the score. In March of 1977, John Williams conducted the London Symphony Orchestra and recorded the soundtrack in 12 days. Little did he know that in two months... Lucas's low-budget film would not only win him another Oscar, but also become arguably the biggest thing to ever happen in movies. Star Wars opened on May 25, 1977. George Lucas ran into so many problems making the film, he was exhausted and at one point was even hospitalized for hypertension. He had prepared himself for the worst. And it was the furthest thing from the worst. A good many people who've had their fill of telephone bills and all other aspects of reality are finding a futuristic way of putting their problems aside for a while. In the long lines in front of the big city theaters across the country, the moviegoers wait for six hours or more. They are waiting to escape. At the box office, they are buying a few hours out of this world. The film is called Star Wars. It and other recent Hollywood offerings are obviously giving the public what it wants. Total escape cinema. Some fans just can't get enough of it. Really? I have a friend who's seen it four times already. One of the people that saw the movie multiple times, 11 times to be exact, was Domenico Minardo, also known as Miko. Miko was an American record producer and musician who played the trombone. In his younger days, he was more interested in classical and jazz music, and while in college, he started the Eastman School of Music Jazz Band with his friends Ron Carter and Chuck Mangione. Miko's feelings toward pop music changed. He started to embrace it and worked as a studio musician, playing for artists like Tommy James and Diana Ross. He also started doing horn arrangements for James and even some Neil Diamond Coke commercials. In the mid-70s, Mika was focusing more on producing, disco records in particular. And after his multiple Star Wars viewings, he had an idea to make a 15-minute disco medley of John Williams' score. He pitched the idea to Neil Bogart at Casablanca Records. Bogart agreed to do the record on the Casablanca subsidiary Millennium Records without having even heard Miko's music. 
That's how big Star Wars was. So in the late summer of 1977, Millennium Records released Star Wars and Other Galactic Funk by Miko. The Force will be with you, always. Miko obviously loved John Williams' score, but reportedly he felt that the Star Wars theme as performed on the soundtrack wasn't commercial enough sounding to be a top 40 hit. Well, turns out he was wrong. Williams' version entered the charts in July and eventually went to number 10. But Miko's single, Star Wars theme slash cantina band, outdid Williams and hit number one on October 1st, 1977. The single even went platinum and is in the Guinness Book of World Records as the best-selling instrumental single ever released. For the single version, the Star Wars theme is a mashup with the Cantina Band song, which is not the order they appear on the album. The entirety of Side 1 is Miko's continuous 15-minute disco medley, starting with the Star Wars theme, directly into Imperial Attack, into The Desert and the Robot Auction. They weren't able to get the sound effects from Lucasfilm, and the back of the album credits special sound effects by Suzanne Ciani. I'm assuming that's the R2-D2 sounds we hear, and according to a 2015 article on Yahoo, Miko says that getting those R2 sounds right took eight hours. Miko produced the album alongside former Dancing with the Stars musical director Harold Wheeler, who also handled the arrangements. And the third producer was engineer, producer, and cousin of John Bon Jovi, Tony Bon Jovi. The back of the album lists two sets of musicians, musicians from the Milky Way galaxy and musicians from the Kormar galaxy. A few notable Milky Way musicians were Alan Rubin, whose name is misspelled, by the way. Rubin would later go on to be Mr. Fabulous, playing trumpet for the Blues Brothers. Also on trumpet was Randy Brecker of the Brecker Brothers and bassist Will Lee, who holds the distinction of playing with Paul Schaefer on both Late Night and The Late Show with David Letterman longer than any other band member. Side 2 is the other galactic funk that the album title refers to. It's 12 minutes of funk instrumentals, and 
that's really all there is to say there. According to the 2015 Yahoo article, Miko said he had an idea for the album cover to be two astronauts grinding against each other. Illustrator Robert Rodriguez created the cover with a three-day deadline. And speaking of that cover, my friend, cartoonist Alex Robinson, author of the graphic novels Box Office Poison and Tricked, and he's one of the hosts of the wonderful Star Wars Minute podcast, he's created a brand new Bizarre Albums enamel pin that is inspired by this album cover. They're available right now in the store at BizarreAlbums.com. I absolutely love how these turned out, and these are pretty limited, so do not sleep on these. BizarreAlbums.com, go to the store. All right, let's close this up. The album ended up spending 28 weeks on the chart, peaking at number 13. By September, it had already gone gold, and in June of 78, it went platinum. It was also nominated for a Grammy in 1978 for Best Instrumental Recording, but it lost to John Williams. Miko's success led him to doing disco versions of other movie music from The Wizard of Oz, Superman, and Close Encounters of the Third Kind. And he wasn't done with Star Wars yet. By 1980, he was on Lucasfilm's radar, and he was able to actually get to use authentic Star Wars sound effects for 1980's Christmas in the Stars. But that is for another time. Before I wrap the show up, I do have to thank Patreon supporter Joe Duff. Thank you, Joe. Uh, It means the world to me. Joe is supporting the show on Patreon at the $25 level, which means he gets thanked on the show. Uh, if you're not supporting the show yet over there, you can go to patreon.com slash bizarre albums. You can get weekly bonus episodes, vote on upcoming albums, and even get thanked on the air. All right, let's wrap this up. Thank you for listening to Bizarre Albums. If you like the show, please subscribe and leave a review. It helps people find the show. You can also follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Bizarre Albums, and I'm at Tony Faxton. You can also like Bizarre Albums on Facebook and visit BizarreAlbums.com. And if you still want more Bizarre Albums in your life, sign up for weekly bonus episodes of Bizarre Singles and more at Patreon.com slash Bizarre Albums. And as always, if you know of a Bizarre Album you'd like to hear featured, please tweet the show. I'd love to hear from you. You can even email me at bizarrealbums at gmail.com. My name is Tony Thaxton, and I'll see you next time on Bizarre Albums. <laughs>